0: Hello, you're listening to the Brainy Speech Therapist podcast. We're your hosts, Helen McLean and Jan mcintosh brown Here, we aim to look at all aspects of brain injury, from the research to the rehabilitation, and always through the lens of speech and language therapy. Okay, so welcome everyone to another episode of the Brainy Speech Therapist podcast. I'm Helen McLean I'm Jan McIntosh Brown, and we are joined
1: tonight by a colleague of mine, Sarah de Silva Ramos. And Sarah is going to introduce herself. So over to you, Sarah.
2: Hello, my name is Sarah. Um, I am senior research fellow at the Disabilities Trust Brain Injury Rehab Trust, where Jan also works and I am a, a psychologist by background. I'm originally from Portugal, but I've worked in the UK for many years.
1: And you work as, did you say that you work as a research fellow? Oh, you That's, did. Right. Right. Yes. Edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we get into talking about uh, what, what we're going to talk about tonight, Sarah, could you explain what a research fellow does, like what your job is?
2: yes it's quite varied one of the key aspects of it is to monitor the outcomes from brain injury rehabilitation within our services and that means taking measures uh, from people before and after rehabilitation and then we can say how much people have changed and what factors contribute to change if there are four uh, types of brain injury that may be um, where people might improve faster, or for example, if time uh, when the brain injury was acquired until the time the person is admitted uh, helps recovery and so on, so we look at that data. We also report that outcome data every year uh, in a report that is available to anybody who's interested on our website, But we're also interested in all sorts of other aspects of rehabilitation. For example, evaluating new interventions um, or exploring additional questions, um, some of them directly with the people we support. Some might be asking about what are the best ways of training staff and so on. So it's quite a varied role.
1: And you oversee a number of research projects, don't you, within within the organisation? Or at least you, you highlight a number of research opportunities for us.
2: Yes, so um, I'm kind of a researcher. Um, I have the role of a researcher in some projects. In other projects, it's more of a supporting role. So I might help people with... Ideas and advice, peer review really, as we call it in academia, um, on a project they're planning to do for themselves. Um, I also review projects that we receive externally from um, you know, students that need to, to do a project for their degree, for example. Um, And I also support with sharing information about research in general, and, and the value of research more widely within the Trust.
1: Yeah, and there's only you and your assistant, isn't there?
2: That's right. Yeah, there's two of us. We have quite a lot of support of our clinical director. Um, but it's a small team at the moment. Um, and the other thing I didn't mention is one of my roles is to support you know, clinicians like Jan and others to do their own research. So sometimes um, we develop a, a method together or I might help with analysis and so on. So that's part of my role as well is to, to give some uh, support to
1: our clinicians to conduct their own research. And tonight we've invited you on to talk about a new initiative that you've really, in my opinion, sort of been taking the, the lead on, um, you and your assistant within the organization. So it's, uh, we, we coined the phrase rehab mantras. So um, yeah, could you, could you sort of explain a little bit more about that? Yes,
2: I think that is a very good example of how we work uh, very closely together as a team. And Jan hasn't said, but actually, this uh, is an idea that she originally had. Um, And then I kind of came in with my research brain and thought how we actually put it um, together and implement it. Um, And we've also been trying to measure the impact Um, So the initiative was mainly designed to support our staff to understand our rehabilitation approach, which is called the neurobehavioral therapy model. Um, And it's quite a a comprehensive approach to rehabilitation because it looks at the individual as a whole. So it involves all aspects of a person's uh, function from how they are physically to how they feel psychologically after understanding that they have a brain injury and adapting to the changes that that brings and also preparing for discharge into the community, potentially returning to work. And that brings together lots of different aspects on what we need to do to make all of this happen and work together with the people with support. Um, and because it's quite complex and people are very busy, and there's many other aspects that they need to bear in mind, we wanted to find a way of expressing those very important but fairly simple concepts in a kind of engaging and fun way that will help the staff remember what it's all about and make it easier for them to recall a lot of um, things that they need to bear in mind and practices that we do in a a simple way. So maybe I can give some examples. Um, One of the rehab mantras, which is my favourite, is called Every Interaction is Rehab. And the reason for that is that we don't just do rehab within the rehab centre, Everything that we do, all interactions that staff like me, I don't work clinically, but I do bump into service users every so often because I'm based in a rehab center. Um, And sometimes there's particular ways that we should uh, interact with people, for example, to help with uh, speech difficulties or language difficulties. Um, And we get very basic information about that, how to help a new person who arrived um, for example, sometimes it's useful for people to just to, to be reminded where they are and be given reassurance. So we get that basic information. But there's lots of other things that uh, people need to remember as they go about their daily activities. So they might be going to the supermarket, but remember they need to get out of the car in a particular way or they may need to get their walking aid, whatever it may be. And every interaction is rehab, is about making sure that all of those supports and prompts are in place at all times. And when, as sports uh, support staff, um, are interacting with the service user, they remember the general goals of the person's rehabilitation and remember to use those strategies at all times to help improvement.
0: um, Hi Sarah, it's it's Helen here. So I'm just wondering from using that rehab mantra as an example, I'm thinking working in a community team like something like that absolutely would work in our service as well because kind of the, the location doesn't really matter so much because as you you know, with that one as an example, every interaction is an opportunity for for rehab. And actually I'm thinking sometimes when I have people who've maybe had quite intensive input within an inpatient setting, and then they come to the community and they think they're getting less rehab, but actually it goes to show, you know, if if we all, you know, take that approach, then you're maybe getting the patient more on board with that being an idea. And I wonder if that has an impact on kind of the engagement of the patient in terms of like carrying over strategies, for example, you know, speech strategies or using their walking aid, for example, because they then do view it differently because the staff have been kind of pitching it a little bit differently.
2: Yes, I think it it has an impact in in different ways. One is just the sheer level of repetition is much bigger if we're doing it all the time in a consistent way. But also because it brings meaningfulness to the exercises and all the strategies that people are trying to learn. And sometimes uh, people get a little bit frustrated due to lack of improvement and so on. And one of the things that we also do is to kind of bring back to the goals that the person wants to achieve and put each and every little step in in a bigger picture of, for example, a lot of people obviously want to go home um, and we can remind them that if, you know, when you're able to do X, you'll be able to go home. Um, and and by reminding them in that way uh, and link up with their wider goals, it, it helps also to, to make the exercises more meaningful. So they're not just exercises, but they're also a little step into achieving something that the person wants to achieve, which may be going back home or it may be walking again or speaking better in certain settings, whatever it may be. But it does give some more meaning to, to the exercises and the things that otherwise might just feel like actions or, you know, tasks or chores that people need to do.
1: And I think the thing, uh, a couple of things that you guys have talked about, the, the meaningfulness, I think that supports the generalization, doesn't it? If, if you are, practicing something in an artificial therapeutic session it's not as likely to generalize and become functional if it's not done in a a meaningful um activity so it is about getting out of the therapy room into everybody's environment um and then it's also i think the what helen was talking about the you know, that, that concept of quantity, you know, I'm not getting as much therapy. Well, actually, the therapy is happening all the time. Um, it's your family member. It's the person in the shop. It's, you know, it's about that goal being embedded in, you, in your everyday interactions with people so that you are practising all the time. So that, that's my thoughts on that particular mantra.
2: Yes, I think you're absolutely right, Jan, especially that point about generalization. The more we do something in, in a range of environments, the more likely we're, we're able to consolidate and learn. Um, whereas if we practice in the same way, in the same setting all the time, it's harder to then go to a completely different setting, which might be you know, practicing cooking in, in the units and then going uh for a home visit and the cooker the cooker is different um and we don't know what to do whereas we if we practice all the time in different settings that learning is much more likely to to occur
0: yeah and can it so can i ask sarah then just so i can kind of wrap my head around this how are these rehab mantras kind of generated as a kind of done as part of a kind of a team discussion or was there kind of you know I don't know a a kind of process that developed these could you talk us through how these came into being
2: yes so they were partly mainly generated by consensus from um, a group of clinicians and and myself and Sharon uh, who is the assistant psychologist to work with me But it's also largely based on the literature on neurobehavioral rehabilitation and other literature around how people with brain injury learn and how impairments, for example, on memory affect learning and how learning needs to be adapted um, or occurs in a different way. So it's mainly consensus based on clinical practice, but it's also informed by existing literature. So we usually come up um, with things that we know that tend to be a challenge in practice as well, Um, either because, for example, new staff doesn't quite understand why we need to, to do something in a particular way, or some things, for example, behavior monitoring requires quite a lot of paperwork and a lot of recording of things that happen which sometimes can be seen as a little bit uh, intensive. Um, And one of the mantras, which is around uh, behavior communicates needs, is to remind people, one, that behaviors that sometimes might be challenging have uh, reasons that may be linked to the brain injury. And it's not people trying to be difficult, but it's usually because... They want to communicate something, but they're not able to. So it's something that is very important for everybody to understand, but also to kind of convey that it's an important aspect of a person's presentation and that making all those recordings around behavior will help us better understand what the person needs and how we can support them.
1: The other thing that I had just thinking about when you were talking, Sarah, because we talked about the person with the brain injury, it's also about how our staff learn as well, isn't it? I think about what we try to do with the mantras is pick something short and memorable. And I think about all these big companies that will remain nameless, that we, we, we all have their slogans em, em, engraved in our brains and it's meaningful to us, you know. And I think that was another concept that we were trying to target.
2: Yes, 100% is, is that idea of trying to make quite difficult things simple and a little bit like our mantra of every interaction is rehab to have these principles embedded in in day-to-day practice because, of course, the staff get training um, and they need to do refresher training at regular times. But we wanted to complement that with something that is quite easy, very memorable, uh, and that is also very accessible, that it's not too technical and helps people be curious, but at the same time remember what they
0: do and why they have to do things in a particular way. And so how how are these implemented? How are kind of staff trained up and using these? And how are these kind of um, actually kind of used day to day within the service?
2: Yes. So we we also, again, we try to do it in a very positive um, almost fun way, because we don't want it to be seen as, oh no, another thing that I need to remember and learn. Mm-hmm. We want it to be as positive as possible. Um, and we want everybody to engage, even any staff that, for example, might work in payroll or you know don't work directly in the service. We also want them to, to learn about these mantras because then they learn about how rehabilitation works. Uh, In general, so what we normally do um, is we work with our communications team, um, and we publish each mantra on our intranet um, each month. And we say this month's mantra is, for example, this month's mantra is, rehab is more than care. And then there is a a short description and explanation of why we say that. And we publish that as a short article on our internet. Um, But there are many other things that we do as well. So um, we develop activities uh, for people, um, for staff and for the people we support, which might be word searches or anagrams, Things that help people remember what the mantra is. Um, in there was one of the mantras was movement, sports recovery, and there was a bingo with lots of different things that people could do. Uh, some of which were movement that sports recovery, like different exercises. Um, and we then um, asked... Um, the services to share with us how they've been launching the mantra in their services, how they shared it. So, for example, one of the things Jan does is to bring it up at Coffee Group, or uh, I can't remember what it's called, Jan. Um, Correct.
1: Coffee Crew.
2: Yeah, Coffee Crew, that's it. Um, and they have a discussion within that group and think about what the mantra means. Uh, examples of how that mantra happened or how uh, a staff member implemented the mantra. And they then create word clouds and they share them with us. And then we share them back with the trust more widely through our internet. We also do interviews with members of staff. So every month we do two to three interviews with different members of staff and we usually ask just three questions one is if they heard about the rehab mantras um two is whether they know which is this month's mantra and three is whether what does that mean to them and if they can tell us for example examples of how they've used it Um, and in the beginning we had, like, some people didn't know about the rehab mantras at all. Now most people know about it and they know what the mantra is. Sometimes they're not sure about what it means, but most people can think about even tapping into their own sort of experiences, even as a person that is not a clinician, um, how what that might mean um, and how that might apply to, to daily life even. Uh, The other thing we do as well, we we add it to our signature uh, on email. So every month we send uh, a reminder to everybody to to change their email email signature. Um, And those are the sort of main ways. We also have a web page on our internet that has um, all the materials Um, and all the ways that people can engage with the initiative. So there's um, a Yammer page as well, which is a little bit like Facebook, where people can post and comment and and have uh, conversations online. Um, A lot of it is done online because we're all based in different parts of the country. Um, So we need to find a way that we can do this uh, remotely but but those are some of the key ways that that we've been sort of sharing the initiative um and yeah we then ask people to tell us how they've done it in their units and share with everybody else and sort of create a snowball effect in that way and it's the
1: long game isn't it we're not we're not expecting but we, we Year, so we're, we're still developing our mantras. They're not set in stone at this point. Um, and we're not expecting everybody to know, oh, January's mantra was and that. Oh, I remember April's. we We realise that it's going to be years and years. It's about changing culture and changing practice. And it doesn't happen overnight.
2: Yes, that's right. We're planning to carry on the initiative over the next few years, at least. And it, it's, it's about uh, creating that knowledge over time. And at the moment, is a new thing. But eventually, we hope that it will become something that people know within the trust. It's also a, a helpful way, I think, to, to help new staff understand some of the core principles of how we work. But yeah, I think for the existing core staff, um, they probably will learn more and more as as we go go along
0: and have people have staff been receptive to this as uh um as something that's being implemented have they bought into it quite well
2: yes i think some people have um we're not 100 percent sure how we have a lot of staff across the country um and not everybody works in a rehab Context: um, We have other services that are not necessarily rehabilitation, like uh, supported living. Um, but we've had very positive feedback so far. Um, but it may be a, a small minority, potentially, or you know, a, 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 a proportion of all our staff. But certainly, the ambition is that over time, everybody will be aware of it and will at least know what it's about. But so far, um, the feedback we did have has been very positive. Um, And even externally as well, people find finds it quite interesting um, because it gives them an idea of how we work um, and, and some information about, you know,
0: some aspects of our approach to rehabilitation. I think it's it it's like anything that when you, you introduce something new into a team or a service, and especially I imagine for something like the Disability Trust that has centres up and down the country, there's always going to be maybe a percentage of people that, that maybe kind of question the merits of something or maybe don't buy into something as, as much as perhaps other people. I, I don't know if there's ever been... A project or a quality improvement idea or anything that that's, everyone's bought into 100% from the get-go but it sounds like this it, it sounds and hopefully this doesn't sound like I'm diminishing it it sounds like a relatively um accessible simple concept that that a lot of places could introduce you know we I think if people are listening to this episode lots of people might be thinking oh that is something that we could absolutely introduce in our service whatever that setting might be and if I could
1: that is certainly how I felt about it initially with my service and while I was trying and feeling enthusiastic about it I just didn't seem to be able to get it off the ground in one service which is when I just happened in a chat with Sarah to say, oh, and I've had this idea. And and then Sarah going, let's do it, you know, <laughs> to quote another slogan, eh, just do it. And, it, <laughs> I, you know, Sarah might say that this is my idea. But honestly, without Sarah, this would still be just a little idea at the bottom of my drawer somewhere. Sarah has put all the work and effort into it. Um. So thank you, Sarah. Final comment from me um, is, I've got another question, but that will come later. Final comment, this not only helps people understand that some of the key principles of neurobehavioral rehabilitation, it also it gives a language to What's this when you talk about neurobehavioral rehabilitation? What do you mean? And I'll be like, um, um, good question. I need to go and read an article, and I've got some language that I can actually use to sort of you know explain and I'll, I can give them examples. point in direction so It's not just about teaching but giving us something as well.
2: Yeah, I agree. That That was one of the key things that we wanted to achieve was to make all the complex aspects of the approach simple and accessible by everybody. Um, and and yeah, I'm pleased to hear Jan say that, that it, it does help as a language to communicate with people who might not have any knowledge of, of rehab or brain injury. But it gives us um, a, a way of, of explaining what it is, because it is quite a complex model. Rehabilitation is complex in general. Um, and this way, we, we can be a bit more specific about the components um, and different principles that that we work towards.
1: And so the question that I wanted to ask, about this doesn't mean I understand it, Are measuring measuring its effectiveness?
2: Yes. So that has been a little bit of a challenge. So one of the things that we've tried to do um, every quarter, we uh, have um, launched a quiz. So we ask staff to quiz, and the quiz covers the mantras, Um, and uh, people need to say, you know which mantra means this or whatever it may be. So we're, we're doing quizzes. Um, and we've also uh, been looking at um, interactions with posts and engagement and sharing of materials, etc. It would be nice to do something more specific around whether it's changed practice in any way. But uh, as Jan said earlier, it, we're kind of in for the long run, and it might be difficult to do that uh, in this early stage. But it's certainly something that we're thinking about how we might be able to achieve this. But at the same time, we don't. We want to kind of see how how it works and how it's helped people. Maybe something qualitative we might do. Um, but we don't want it to add to the stress that people have on their day-to-day lives and, you know, having to do another test. We don't want it to be like that. We want to keep its positive sort of vibe, um, to encourage people to engage in a positive and fun way, uh, like wanting to learn rather than thinking, oh, my God, I don't remember this. Um uh, I'm going to fail. We, we want to avoid that. So we're trying to, f- to find different ways of, of looking at the potential outcome. Um, and something might, may well be uh, to interview you know, some of the staff, particularly about how it changed the way they work or it supported the way they work. Um, but yeah, it's something
0: that we want to explore in more detail. And I think it just, as you're speaking about this, I think it's it's interesting. And I have to say, I think this is really, serves as a, such a good example to do this podcast in the first place, because what you're talking about is something that has been implemented within this, but is absolutely applicable to other places, but really is... Is the sort of thing that can be quite hard to get out there in some ways. You probably maybe presented a poster on this, maybe it's something, but it's it's just this is the sort of stuff that needs to get out there more and more people need to be aware of. And yeah, actually, that's something that we can do rather than thinking about here's a huge piece of clinical research that needs to happen before we can make changes it's about actually you know you've you've had a discussion between yourself and Jan and a couple other people you've started to implement something you're working your way through it and for out this staff is it helpful for our patients do we keep on doing this or does it need to change and that is what that's what clinical practice needs to be about isn't it yes and we certainly
2: also looked at it from that perspective of linking the scientific principles behind rehab into day-to-day practice um, and making it more accessible so there's a lot of literature around how we can bridge the gap between um you know research uh, evidence into practice and there are some aspects of this initiative that certainly um feed into into that. So there's a model that I quite like because yeah, it's the capability, opportunity, motivation model uh, of behavior change. Um, and a little we watch in crime series where the investigators start, try to identify if the person had the, the capability of doing something. And they had the, the motive to do it and they had the opportunity to do it. This model looks at evidence based practice um, in, in that way. So we're trying to uh, increase the capability of our staff by adding to their knowledge, but also um, by doing it in a positive, engaging way to increase the, the motive, the motivation to, to use these principles and, and apply them. And also the opportunity, because it's all there, out there all of the times, people have that knowledge more accessible so that they will hopefully use it more often when they have the opportunity to do so. Um, so, yeah, we do hope that it it more generally, it helps change practice. Um, and uh, one of the things that actually... Um, I was asked when we presented this recently at a conference was whether it could be applied to other rehab services. Um, And I would say yes, and not necessarily with the exact same mantras, but just the principle of coming together to identify what is it that it's core to how we work and you know that that distinguishes what we do from other services or other approaches um, and um, then reduce that in, in a range of mantras we have one per month we could have more or we could have less um, and then find a way of sharing it and engaging uh, everybody with with those messages could really be applied to any setting and certainly to rehabilitation settings in in other places or other types of
1: rehabilitation or psychological intervention. So coming to a close, Sarah, but picking up on the conference and the poster presentations, an opportunity you might want to consider is a big event that's coming up for speech and language therapists, and I'm sure we would all love to hear more about this. So it's the CCD third symposium in June. I know you let me know about it, Sarah, so thank you. Um, but there forward to there that you might consider putting something forward to, for that symposium? Yes, certainly, even though it's
2: not specific about uh, cognitive communication disorders. But, but it may be a way of explaining cognitive communication disorder. So that could be another application. Yes, certainly. And and it's very useful as well to engage with other colleagues and get their views because we can always develop from feedback um, from colleagues. They might have some additional ideas. So, yeah, it would be very nice to kind of put this project uh, or initiative more out there.
1: Indeed, and I think the yeah. CCD Symposium is yeah. community in doing things and helping people engage with rehab, with people with brain injury. So I think it's right up our
0: street. Absolutely, yes, you need to get get an abstract insight.
2: Yes, we do. <laughs> January. We- <laughs> Work
0: to do, (laughs) (laughs) yes. I'm just that needs to be a joint venture between yourself and Jan.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so is there anything else that you would like to tell us about, Sarah, before we say goodbye?
2: Um, not really. I think. Maybe just if you want to find out more and and you know keep um, an eye on um, how it's going, we do publish regularly on our um, research digest page section within our webpage. Um, so yeah, if you want to know more, um, watch out for that, and
0: there should be news in the future. Yeah, we will um, get a link to that to put into the the episode notes so that people listening can can find that um, research digest quite easily. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for taking your time um, this evening to chat to us. I find it really interesting to listen to this and I'm thinking like, okay, how can how can we take this and um, apply it in our setting? Because I think we definitely, definitely could. So, yeah, thank you so much.
2: Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Sarah. And we'll speak tomorrow.
2: Yes, we will. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. Thank you. Good
2: Good night. night. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are of the individual and should not be considered professional advice. If you have a brain injury, suspect you have a brain injury, or think someone you know has a brain injury, please seek dedicated professional advice.